1: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Anthony Weidel, Dan Colbert, um, Art Rooney II, and the rest of the Steelers front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond a roster that's going to chase for a seventh Lombardi trophy. And so today we have the final... Um, draft pick, the final draft pick that we get to review before we can move on to a few other things in this offseason. That draft pick being actually the first round draft pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers in this year's draft. Pick number 20. No, it's not Malik Willis. <laughs> it's Kenny Pickett. Um, and so pretty excited to talk about him today. Obviously he's in a three-way camp battle, probably really two-way camp battle, but between Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubitsky. Um, and you know, Kenny Pickett is someone that you know. People. Some people say he should start early. Some people will say um, if he can prove it, he should you know potentially start mid-season. Some people say let him sit for a year. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, we had Big Ben, you know, do the elbow week one of the season, you know, and go down, and then it was Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph in 2019. Uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, it might be that Trubisky plays well all the way through, and you know he's our guy for this season, and then. You know, week for the playoffs. or the first week of the playoffs, suddenly you got to throw Kenny Pickett in. The biggest thing is we want Kenny Pickett to be ready um, on his terms. Um, and you know, if it takes more than this season, it takes more than this season. So look, today's show. I mean, there might be some numbers you're pretty familiar with, but. As per the usual process with these draft picks, we're going to kick off with, um, you know, talking about some of the draft profile and rankings and those sorts of things, and then we'll have a bit of a deep dive into the Kenny Pickett stats um, and see, you know, what he offers the Pittsburgh Steelers from that perspective. So, six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds. Um, he recently celebrated his birthday. He's born on the sixth of the sixth. Um, according to the information I've got in front of me. Um, grew up in the New Jersey area, obviously then uh, went to Pitt. He had committed to Temple before that. Um, has a bit of overlap there with uh, with Matt Canada before Matt Canada off, went off and did other things. So I don't think they ever actually worked together at the college level, even though Matt Canada was part of the recruiting, I think it was, for Kenny Pickett. Um, I said 6'3", 220 pounds. The eight and a half inch hands that everyone talks about as well. Um, so, you know, that's, that's always a funny one um, from that perspective. And then two, you also have, um, you know, he has an RAS score, relative athletic score of 9.24, which is pretty good um, as well. He had a quarterback rating in this last season of 116.6, according to the Draft Network. They identified his top traits as being accuracy, um, poise, and leadership. And so by accuracy, they summed it up that he had Ball placement that improved incrementally throughout his career at Pitt, and he was terrific in 2021, especially down the field. He does well to place the ball in favorable positions for his receivers to produce yardage after the catch. He isn't without the odd misfire, um, but the consistency he found in 2021 was a big reason for his ascension. And I I heard that too. Um, Well in the draft process, mid-last year, um, I I heard an interview with... um, uh, with uh, Jim Nagy, the, uh, who was the director of the senior bowl. And he had said that the previous year in 2020, Kenny Pickett had been invited and he turned it down. Um, and he spoke to Jim and he said, look, you know, where am I going to be drafted? And, and he said, look, ceiling of the third round, you know, probably realistic fifth round floor of maybe the sixth round. And he said, right, well, I'm going to go back to, back to school. And so some people um, looked down on him, for, you know, for doing that. Other people, like at the end of the day, he was accurate. He won games. He did really well. You can't you can't argue with that, and as Jeffrey Benedict has pointed out during this off, se- off season as well, um, that time or, or, the, or I think, you know as Jeff has said it and KT Smith said similar things on um dot com um, and uh, you know behindthesteelcurtain our audio podcast network, both of which are non stop and one stop shops for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, but they've talked about you can't you can't fake that year. He still matured in that year in terms of the poise. Um, You know, with such a large sample size, you can tell he's got, you know, through college, he had command and confidence, and that was really clear. He's a fierce competitor, which we love in Pittsburgh, Um, and they know that he's more than willing to hang in the pocket, face pressure, and battle to keep players alive. He's extremely accomplished in in terms of late-game heroics, and he's a long-tenured starter, so he's got a bit of leadership, Um, you know, from a college that produced people like Dan Marino and Alex Van Pelt, and he's also engineered numerous fourth-quarter comebacks um, and it's obvious that he's taken ownership in his growth and maturation. Now, who does that sound like to you? They sound like the qualities they liked in, in Ben um, as well. They said he was a fit for a spread offense. Um, you know, they, they did numerous games where they watched him. They said his worst game was Clemson in 2020. Uh, and the, the, the thing is, is that, and they noted one of the, be- the favorable things most about Kenny Pickett really actually is the fact that he had no sort of like cheap, Production, you know, it, it came with you know solid progression as a as a start uh, as a, and as progression as a progression style passer. Um, you know, it wasn't just deep down the field. Um, it showed a guy that he had to work through through college as well. You know, he definitely showed comfort um, surveying the field and letting it rip. Uh, you know, the release and and they talked about his form and how Pickett marries everything together in terms of his upper and lower half and then combines that with decision making and overall sequencing. Um, so that it's a consistent release, uh, pocket manipulation. We, we we all know how the movement he has. He's probably not the most mobile quarterback. He's not a Malik Willis or, or a Kyler Murray, but you know probably not a Josh Allen. Um, but he can move around in the pocket, um, you know, and, and arm strength. Whilst he doesn't have a rocket launcher for an arm, even we you know it's been talked about you know with, from the Steelers around the velocity and the spins that he puts on the ball. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Obviously, mobility. He's also done the, the the fake slide as well. They gave him second round value with an eighty three point seven five. I think for the draft network, it's eighty five and up um, get you into the first round. They had him overall as their thirty third best prospect behind Willis Malik Willis at thirty two, um, and so he was their second QB. Um, their head of scouting San, um, Sanchez gave him um, an eighty five overall most most people gave him an 85 plus it was just he had an 80 and he an 82 which brought him a little bit um just under that threshold um but you know when you when you flip over um to pro football network um he was 28th overall in terms of ranking for tony pauline 21st for cam Miller, 42 for ian cummings 47th um for oliver hodgkinson um so it was interesting from that perspective, and he was their second QB um, as well overall. So those rankings are pretty consistent um, as well in terms of what you're looking at there. It's interesting that you talked about him as being the 47th and 42nd best um, prospects in the draft. you know there were a lot of good uh, defensive players, but it, but it is interesting when you look at those sorts of, those sorts of numbers and how that varies pretty substantially to like 28 and 21. If you look at his NFL.com um, profile as well, that's also actually I should say sorry with the draft network. It's interesting to note that Leo was 29th ahead of <laughs> ahead of Malik Willis um, and and Kenny Pickett. But if you look at Kenny Pickett from an NFL.com perspective, their draft profile they have him at a 6.4, which basically means he will become a good starter within two years. I think that's a pretty solid assessment right now. Um, they noted him same six foot three. They have him at two seventeen pounds, arms um, thirty. Um, and seven eighths of an inch um, and the eight and a half inch hands that we all talk about. His next gen stats rating is an eighty-four, which is a good um, I don't know you know a hell of a lot about how that, that stating that rating works, but I know that a 90 equals you to being elite. Um, 75 to 90 is good, 65 to 75 is average and um, 65 to 50 is below average. So you know he's he's up there, not not quite elite um, from that perspective, but but not far off either. Um, his combine results, he did a 4.73 um, at the combine for his 40-yard dash. Um, he had a vertical jump of 33.5, a broad jump of one, 121, and a 20-yard shuttle of 429 as well uh, from that perspective. Now, Lance Erlein, he, you know, again, they talk about the poise and trust and discipline from the pocket. Strengths, has <laughs> a lot of strengths, versus not many weaknesses. Uh, but let's go through them. Strengths. Broke Dan Marino's pit passing records. Comes from an athletic family and bloodlines. Has good size and all the physical tools needed as a pro. Jaw-dropping improvement across the board in, from 2020. TD ra- ratio went from 13-9, 13-9 in 2020 to 42-7. to Touchdowns to interceptions in 2021. And we'll talk more about that later in part two as well because there's some interesting stats um, to delve into depending on where he threw in the field with that then they talk uh, Zerlin you know notes his passing scheme requ- um, required full field reads good recognition and decisions on combo route throws to all levels potential to get better at recalibrating reads with more work that's you know part of that maturation um, the Steelers need to do do with him in terms of getting him ready for the NFL worked with improved anticipation and tight spiral throwing into windows velocity to stay ahead of closing coverage arm strength to push deep outs without a problem Able to extend the play and win on the move with his arm, arm talent to make off-platform throws, and elusiveness to escape a free runner and scramble for yards. Weaknesses. Um, some scarring from previous protection issues. Nervous feet and poise can get the best of him despite clean pockets. Oh well, that's an interesting assessment, um, particularly when we talk about some of the how how well he did when kept clean later in, in part two. Um, juice outside the pocket rather than climbing to scan. Feet don't always follow his eyes when throwing. Poor placement and touch added to drop issues. Um, Finesse throws into buckets are below average. Better timing would prevent contested catches. Can improve at making leading throws. Doesn't throw with much of an expedited release, which is interesting versus what the Draft Network thought of him. Um, and needs to take the incompletion instead of the sack. I think that's the other thing. That's, what, that's what's going to be really important at the NFL level. You saw Mac Jones do that, and he improved throughout the season. You also saw even Patrick Mahomes struggle with that early on. That's why the, the Chiefs were struggling toward the start of the season. He was trying to do all the fancy stuff and the deep throws, and then they basically transitioned him to being, you know, trying to do more of those checkdowns and float to the offense, and that's part of where they're going in removing Tyreek Hill um, or, or moving him on. Um, and so, you know, that's a really key thing and it's an easy way for rookies. And I, I said this a lot to different people, Mark Davison, my co-host for Steelers Touch down under, uh, will tell you that I, I've mentioned it, you know, I think to even, I think, you know, Mr. Betts and I were talking about it on one of the, um, in one of the draft day zooms that we had with the BTC staff, but I've mentioned it to lots of different people about rookies and, and even the senior ball. the best thing when they go to the NFL, it's you need to take the incompletions. It's really important. Um, in terms of a personnel director for an AFC team, one told them, "Told Lance Irwin, is he the next Joe Burrow or Kyler Murray, who are early picks with after being one year wonders? Some team will try and make that connection and will overdraft him. That's a lock. I don't think he was overdrafted at twenty. I don't think anyone could say that. Once you get to twenty, it's all up, it's all up for you know your team needs. He's not an Artie Burns. He's not an Artie Burns. Could he be a TJ Watt and blossom into something that's like you know le- you know league leading?" That's that's may, That may be too high a ceiling. Um, you know, but could he be someone like a Bud Dupree who does make an impact? Um, I mean, we'd hope it's a little bit earlier at quarterback. But, you know, definitely, definitely. Um, so that's what's going to be interesting in terms of can he pick it in, in that regard. But with that, that's going to wrap up part one of this week's Steelers War Room. Join me for part two. We're going to dive into some of the stats and, and, and what this really means in terms of can he pick it and what he can bring to the table um, to the Steelers as he makes his way into the NFL? Well,
0: As fast as they can, away in cars
1: to and we're back on this week's Steelers War Room. I'm Matt Peveril, your host of this weekly show, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Dan Colbert, Anthony Weidel, and the rest of the Steelers front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2020. 20- 22 and beyond a roster that as I always like to say can compete for a seventh Lombardi trophy and so we continue with Kenny Pickett but before we continue with Kenny Pickett I must just say if you are not listening uh to Behind the Steel Curtain and our family of podcasts whether that's the, the live shows that go on YouTube and then go into podcast form which air I think it's every night of the week now we've got on with double you know you've got two on Friday um, with uh, myself, myself and Mark Davidson, the to touchdown under and um, and Tony Duffy O oh, six pack with Tony to end you know cap off your Friday night um, you know and, and everything those night times are all Pittsburgh time as well as, as um, you know Dave Schofield likes to say we have the noon lineup which this show is part of and then you have the morning lineup which includes Jeff Hartman's Let's Ride Monday Wednesday Friday. As well so you know lots on offer at behind the steel curtain from an audio and visual perspective uh, with the YouTube shows but also on behind where there's every article and we often you know often the guy often the team there are breaking news faster than the big network so you, you've got to you have got to stop at the non-stop shop that is behind the steel curtain so look let's look into some stats for Kenny Pickett um, as I, you know, everyone knows, I like my snap, my stats, um, and I like to look at the snaps. So, 594 snaps for Kenny Pickett in 2021. Um, you know, three were wide, one was backfield, the rest, um, you know, were passing snaps. Now, with the quarterbacks, like what we did with Oladokun, um, Oladokun, sorry, I should say, like Kin, um, last week was we looked at multi years with him with different colleges. I'm going to focus primarily around what he did overall with Kenny Pickett and 2021 because of how much of an elite that was in terms of touchdowns and yardage and completions and all those sorts of all those good you know stats I want to dive into that a bit more um because of that sort of idea that he you know can he be the Kyler Murray Joe Burrow one-year wonder that develops you know that's that's where it's the some of the debate is centered so let's focus in on, on that year so uh One of the things really interesting is obviously he had the 42 to 7 um, touchdown to interception ratio, so that's a a, let's call it a 6. Now, interestingly, when under pressure he had a 5 to 1 TD interception ratio with 10 touchdowns and 2 interceptions. And then when, um, sorry, yeah, so when under pressure. And when kept clean, he had a 6.4 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. So that gave him a just a touch over six um, to one all plays, pretty interesting there. Um, you know, five to one under pressure is pretty good. Now, ten touchdowns um, is not, uh, you know, necessarily you know fully world beating. But considering in other seasons he only threw t- thirteen touchdowns, um, it, it's, it's pretty incredible um, as well. So, from that perspective, if you look at his college career overall, he played fifty two games. Um, with 1,045 completions um, out of 1,674 throws. This is according to College Football um, Reference or Sports Reference's College Football page. Uh, Completion percentage of 62.4%, 12,303 yards with an average of 7.3. 81 TDs, 31 interceptions. Now, I thought I'd look up Ben Roethlisberger. I don't want to compare them. You know, it's very different circumstances, but, you know, you would say Kenny Pickett played probably against a lot better competition. Um, you know, and developed as a, and had to develop as a starter as well over a consistent number of years. But Ben played for three years in twenty eight games, eight hundred and fifty four completions um, out of thirteen hundred and four attempts for 10,879, I think all right, seven is very similar two, But seventy nine yards, eighty four to thirty four touchdown interception ratio, so very similar there as well. Sixty five point five percent average of eight point three. So pretty similar stats. I mean, Ben obviously played a lot less games in three years, but also just the number—it's—it's it's different to go off the number of games because even though there's like a 24 game difference, Kenny Pickett didn't necessarily you know start and play through a full game as well. That's one thing to note. Um, and playing against you know stiffer competition, and some people develop more slowly. You know, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, you know, really should have been a top ten pick. He's a franchise quarterback. You don't get them all the time. Um, I'm not making comparisons that Kenny Pickett's an ex-Ben. Hopefully he is, Um, and he's that franchise quarterback. But more just to give you a context, because there are a lot of similarities and consistencies in some of um, those numbers as well from that perspective. Now, before I dive in a bit more into the the stats, what's interesting as well with those interceptions is that he had no interceptions in 2021. Kenny Pickett had no interceptions in the middle of the field. None. He had five deep and two short. Um, And in the middle of the field, you know, he threw for 1,152 yards. But we'll talk more about that again later in this part too. But why I say that... Because if you go back and you listen to the the reaction podcast um, that we did after the draft pick and Jeff Hartman... Everyone talks about Jeff Hartman saying, you know, not Kenny Pickett, not Kenny Pickett because he was, you know, conscious of the reaction of Steel fans. You can hear me in the background of that going quite loudly, you know, not Malik Willis, not Malik Willis, not Malik Willis. And then obviously, you know, my colleague, Andrew Wilbar, you know, <laughs> had had the meltdown around it. But that was because of the center of the field passing. I'd done a, you know, for avid listeners of War Room, you can recall week three or four of the NFL season last year, I did a podcast and I talked about Sam Hartman from Wakefield Wake Forest, um, the, the, the Devil Deacons. And I also talked about Um, Kenny Pickett and I talked about how Sam Hartman everyone was on Kenny Pickett but Sam Hartman does really well and the thing I remember back then is the first four or five weeks of the college season was that Kenny Pickett had started throwing really really well into the center of the field and that was something that this Steelers and and at a medium depth passing or or middle of the field so that's you know 10 yards plus and then also deep um, at 20 yards plus and that's something this Steelers team has struggled with for a long time. Big Ben's arm has not been able to do that. Also, yes, it's harder in the NFL to throw into the center of the field, but we've been missing that. And when you think about a Claypool, a Pickens, a Freyermuth, a Najee Harris, um, also cutting across, a Deontay Johnson, you know, with with those dig routes and stuff like that, center field passing is vital. And so it's awesome that Kenny Pickett does bring that to the table. And so let's let's move on from that middle of the field uh, passing there. Um, and so. Looking at some, let's look at some of his PFF grades through this season um, as well. So I think that's interesting Um, and over the course of his college career. So he had a 92.2 offensive grade um, this season with a pass grade of 92.1. He had a run grade of 63.1 as well. Offensive grade in 2020 was a 69.8, a passing grade of 67 and a run grade of 67. In 2019, he had an offensive grade of 75 flat pass grade of 75.8, and a run grade of 56.6. Um, in 2018, he had a, a offensive grade of 60.6, um, a pass grade of 60.2, a run grade of 59.9. And in 2017, he had a 58.6 offensive grade, passing grade of 55.4, and a run grade of 63.1 as well. Um, yards, his best year was the 4,300 yards in 2021, according to PFF. 2020, he had 2,407 yards. 2019, 3,095 yards. 2018, 1,973 yards, and then 501 yards in 2017. His yards um, per uh, attempt: 8.6 um, in 2020, uh, 7.2. In, sorry, 8.6 2021, 7.2 2020. 6.6 2019, 6.3 2018, and 7.5 in 2017. His best year for touchdowns, obviously, was this 2021 season with 42. Otherwise, he had 13 in 2020 and 2019, 12 in 2018, and only one in 2017. If you look at his grades, though, uh, for this season, um, individual games, his best game was against New Hampshire. His second best game was against GA Tech, so 93.9 in New Hampshire. Georgia Tech um, was a 91.6. He had University of Massachusetts, he had an 87.9, um, and then he had an 86 against Duke as well. So they were they were his top sort of five games in those games. His best passing grade was a 93.7 in New against New Hampshire, a 92 against Georgia Tech, and an 84.9 against UMass as well. His best running game uh, came in that first week as well with a 70.7 against UMass um, and his fumble grade had a a low of 33.8 against Wake Forest um, and a low of 35.6 against West Michigan uh, but it had a a season high um, of 71.3 in two games, one against Tennessee and one against Virginia Tech um, as well. So pretty interesting from that perspective. Moving on from those weekly grades, we then move on to passing pressure. So I talked about being kept clean um, and how he did there. So it was 32 touchdowns to five interceptions when kept clean under pressure, 10 touchdowns um, to two interceptions. When not blitzed, he threw 17 touchdowns um, to four interceptions. When blitzed, 25 TDs to three interceptions. So he's basically four to one when not blitzed um, and Sorry, yeah, we're not blitzed, but twenty-five to three when blitzed. So he can pick up um, what's happening there. He can pick up the defense coming after him. I mean, that's like an eight to one um, ratio or and above. So that's pretty cool from that perspective. His pass PF pass offensive grade when kept clean was a ninety-four point eight. Under pressure, it was a fifty-seven point six. Um, when not blitzed, it was ninety a uh, ninety point eight, and when blitzed, it was a ninety-one. His most yards came when kept clean with 3,738, and 2,819 of those were when not blitzed. When blitzed, he threw for almost 1,500 yards. He was um, 1,489 yards. His best completion when when kept clean was 72.8. When not blitzed, it was 68.4. When blitzed, 64.1, and when under pressure was only a 44.1, but that's also when you saw him, that's when you saw him start to take off a lot of those times as well. So those numbers are a little bit different. Um, he dropped back uh, 581 times, um, 72.3% were when kept clean and only 27.7% went under, when under pressure as well. So we talked a little bit about overall about this progression in, in, in you know, how we move forward. Um, he had a almost career low of interceptions this year with seven. Um, in twenty twenty and twenty nineteen, he had nine interceptions. In twenty eighteen, he had six. And you think about those forty two touchdowns. I mean, it's pretty incredible to see where he's gone from a freshman all the way to a, basically a super senior um, as well. He was finished third in Heisman voting, um, you know, in twenty twenty one, and so that's pretty noteworthy as well. Um, you know, in other years in other quarterback classes, you probably would you would have seen him maybe a top ten, top fifteen. Um, so it is pretty interesting. Now then, looking at the passing depths. Um, so this is where I talk about the accuracy of 20 plus yards of deep, medium, 10 yards to 19 yards, short, 0 to 9 yards, um, and you know where did he throw in the field? And so Kenny Pickett had a deep passer rating of 94.7 or grade according to PFF. He then had a medium grade of 93.7, a short grade of 87.0, and a behind the line of scrimmage grade of 70.5. He threw his most touchdowns deep with a touchdown interception ratio um, there of 17 to 5. So basically 3 to 1. Uh, and short, he threw the 10 to 2, um, which I talked all about a little bit earlier in the podcast. And then he had no interceptions medium or behind the line of scrimmage. Nine touchdowns medium, six touchdowns behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, completion percentage was best behind the line of scrimmage. You'd expect that, 91.3%. Short, 78.9%. Medium, 58.8%, 51.4% for deep. He completed uh, 34, uh, 38 from 74 completions deep. He completed 70 from 119 in, in the medium part of the field, 153 of 194 short, and 73 out of 80 behind the line of scrimmage. Um, so pretty interesting there. Highest number of yardage was 1,441 short. Then he had 1,152 medium and 1,299 um, deep. So basically, let's call it thirteen hundred. His average yards per attempt um, was seventeen point six deep, which is kind of interesting when you think about that and where he's throwing from, and you know where the ball gets you know caught, etc. Um, and then uh, nine point seven medium, seven point four short, five point two behind the line of scrimmage. When you look in terms of his accuracy in different parts of the field, um, deep left he had a passer grade of sixty one point eight with 182 yards in the season, a completion percentage of 31.6, one TD, one interception. Deep center, a 97.5, 14 TDs, two interceptions, 7-1 ratio, 917 yards, completion percentage of 68.4%. Deep right was a 90.2, 200 yards, 35.3 completion percentage, two TDs, two interceptions, Um, But again, you're seeing consistency here. Deep center, high passing grade too. Intermediate left, he was an 80.7 with two touchdowns, no interceptions, 50% completion percentage. Um, Intermediate center, 93.6 grade with six TDs, no interceptions, 689 yards and a 64.1% completion rate. Intermediate right, he had a 90.3 grade, 285 yards, 54.8% completions. Um, the completion percentage. Um, yeah, intermediate right for that short left eighty-seven point three for two hundred and fifty-nine yards, no TDs, no interceptions uh, there, and he had um, short center was an eighty-one point seven passing grade, nine TDs um, to two interceptions, and then he had nine hundred thirty-nine yards. 77.8% completion rate. Short right was a 76.9% completion rate. Um, 243 yards, 746 was his passer grade. One TD, no interception. Behind the line of scrimmage, um, on the left side, a passing grade of 687 No TDs, no interceptions. Uh, completion percentage of 929 uh, only 31 yards, behind the line of scrimmage center, 67.8 passing grade, 347 yards, 6 TDs, no interceptions, 92.6%. 83.3% for behind the line of scrimmage on the right side, 38 yards, 0 TD, 0 interceptions for a 68.1 passing grade. And so I think if we wrap all this up, you've basically got Kenny Pickett, a guy that's played A ton of college football. A guy that's got poise. A guy that's almost ideal size, except for the hands. But who cares? Double glove. Get over it. He's a guy that can throw deep. He's a guy that can support the run. He's a guy that can throw down the center of the field. He's got an arm that's an NFL-ready arm. He was the most NFL-ready quarterback in this class the Steelers were one of the teams with the worst quarterback situation. So even if you wanted a male equalist, or even if you didn't like the pick, you thought they could go get someone else to help the cornerback room or help the run defense. At the end of the day, with Kenny Pickett, they've got a player that fills a need. They've got a player that could develop into something special. They've got time to let him develop. It can be on his terms. Not necessarily because obviously he wants a starter's role, but let his performance be on his terms. And that's going to be one of the key differences into where we were at Um, You know, in previous years, uh, where other teams go wrong, where they force that rookie quarterback in too quickly. I really hope the Steelers don't do it. I trust them not to do it until he's ready. Is Kenny Pickett going to make mistakes? Of course he's going to make mistakes. There will be interceptions. There will be multiple games. And that was interesting as well from a start's perspective, is that Kenny Pickett, in those seven interceptions, the good news is that some of them were multiple interception games. And you say, what, Matt? How is that good news? Well, what it means is, he had two games with two interceptions, and then he had three games with one. But he actually had seven games with no interceptions out of the thirteen out of the fourteen games that he played. That's pretty cool, right? And so, sorry, eight games no interceptions. Um, so from that perspective, you've got a guy that really is actually quite clean with the ball. And so I'm excited to see what Kenny Pickett does, and I hope you are too. So with that, that wraps up this week's Steelers War Room. As always.